Hello, and welcome to the Casual Author Podcast. I'm Dan, host and independent author of sci-fi and fantasy books, father of five, full-time worker, homesteader, and a man of many other responsibilities. I'm here to talk to you about what it's like to be an author, how we can prioritize and be productive, and how we can be encouraged to know that despite our busyness, we can still make the best of our authoring. To learn more about me, my books, or access the podcast show notes, head to dankenner.com slash podcast. Let's get started. Hey there, it's Dan Kenner with another episode of The Casual Author. Today is Tuesday, March 21st, 2023, as I record this, and this is episode number 69 of the podcast. Today we're talking to Brittany Trout about receiving inspiration or getting inspiration through travel. I think it's a really interesting conversation, particularly for those of you who love to travel. I do enjoy travel. I just don't get to travel as much as I would like to, you know, with the current life circumstances and the milking goats and the children, travels doesn't really happen. But it's a really insightful um, conversation. I think you'll really enjoy that. So those of you that are listening on the podcast, you know, using a podcast streaming system, you know recently that I have made a switch to YouTube. I've tried to make all of these podcast episodes available through YouTube, but the one thing that has been missing in YouTube is the video. So, and I guess the update portion video. Uh, Before now, I was doing the podcast episode. I was just recording the audio for the updates, my author updates, my... um, homestead updates. And so I was not putting those on YouTube. And I want to make sure that everybody has access to all the information that I have for the podcast episodes. So because I put video online on YouTube, I wanted to make that available. So I'm actually recording this in front of a camera, which is a whole interesting experience. Um, I'm used to being on camera, but normally I'm in a conversation with someone. So I'll just pretend like I'm having a conversation with you right now. But the reason I'm telling you, those of you listening on the podcast, if you want to switch to YouTube, there will be video now for the update portion, as well as the interview portion, for the most part. Now, if I have an interviewee, um, someone who prefers not to have video, they don't give me consent to put the video online, then I will not. Most people are pretty okay with it. So you'll find that a majority of them will have video. Minimally, though, there will at least be all of the audio portion. I'll be a little bit better about that. So there's that. I'm breaking into YouTube uh, with all of the recent unrest with TikTok going on. I know there's a lot of, I, I want to call it drama because, you know, it's there's a lot of people that have put a lot of time and effort into TikTok. I have not. I don't feel like I've put tons of effort in. So if it does go away, I was trying to make a break for YouTube anyway. So I'm not too concerned about it. But um would be a shame. I know there's a lot of businesses that rely on TikTok and they, especially authors who make a lot of sales there. Still, join, subscribe to my YouTube. You'll see more updates um, about my homestead, about my author business. I'm going to be doing some author updates soon here if I can actually plan and, and make time for it. But for now, like I said, I'm updating the podcast. So here we go. In terms of author news, author updates, everything is pretty stable. Um, in terms of I'm being better about sending out an email list every week. So if you subscribe to that, you're getting these updates. Um, this, this last week has been a little bit crazy for my family wise. Not only did my family get sick, but we had a leaky roof situation. I think I mentioned this prior to now in my last email, I mentioned it. 
So currently the bedroom, our master bedroom is cut up and the ceiling is cut and they've got this like hazmat tent type situation. Not because we're at risk for anything, just to try to keep the cold in since it's winter. They cut up the roof. The attic is just letting cold air into the bedroom. It's been warm recently, so it's not a big deal. Anyway, the reason I bring that up is it has caused some interesting stalls in my author progress. Um, I did have a promotion last week, which was uh, I, it's the first time I've ever subs- done Book Barbarian is what I, I used. It's the first time I've done that, and I've, I was really happy with the results. Um, I made all of the books of my series, the whole Lightbearer Chronicles, 99 cents. And they are back to full price now. I mentioned it in my last podcast. It was going to last only till the end of the week. But it was a great experience. It's exciting to break into those. I at least made back the money that I spent. It wasn't a lot more. You know, I made a few dollars more, but I wasn't even expecting to make back the money that I put into it. So I'm just thrilled with that piece of it. If you're looking to promote your book, check out Fussy Librarian, Free Booksy, um, Book Barbarian. I've only tried Book Barbarian and had a good experience with it. So definitely give it a try. If you're trying to break into kind of email marketing lists, sending out when your books are on sale, it's worth a try uh, if you want to take a look at that. Like I said, I made back my money, so I'm thrilled with it. But in terms of writing, I've continued to write this new YA fantasy series that I've broken into, and I just have caught the writing bug. I, I write almost every day, and each session for about 45 minutes, I'm getting about 2,000 to 3,000 words, which to me is a good indicator of the story, at least from the way my brain works. When I was writing The Etcher's Plight, I really struggled to get words on the page. I was writing at least a thousand words a day, but it was very slow moving. This just feels very fast. The pacing is rapid. I've got a lot of ideas and I have in my mind, it's going to be a six book series. Do I know anything about the books? Not very much at all. Um, the, The intent is that each of the six books is going to follow a lot of the similar characters. Obviously there's going to be some changes, but it's going to actually be from the perspective of a different character one of the main characters. So it's kind of fun. Um, That's how I plan my life. That's how I plan books. Anyway, Dragon Blooded is the name of the first book. And I think I'm at 20,000 words. And I started writing this less than two weeks ago. So, I mean, that's a pretty good pace considering my life and the things that I have going on. Pretty happy with where I am so far. I'll continue writing that. I don't know what will happen once I reach the end of that, if I'll go back to the Etrus plight and go through editing, or if I'll move on to the next book of this series, which doesn't have a name yet. I'll figure that out. Coincidentally, I have the titles of all the books. I won't tell them all, but I have all of the titles in my mind. So that's more than I usually have. Actually, with the Lightbearer Chronicles, I had I had the titles for a long time. I had no idea what the books were going to be about, but I had the titles from the very beginning. So I believe that's in terms of author updates... Not a lot more going on there. Everything is, we're just having a grand old time um, figuring out marketing. And by we, my wife and I, she she helps me kind of ideate. She, she's a little bit more into the um, uh, mark camp marketing. She knows a little bit more about interesting videos and retention and whatnot because she watches YouTube a little bit more than me. But we're still figuring it out and we're having a good time. So in terms of um, homestead updates, everything is melting. So there's a great melt going on here in Southeast Idaho, which it's been a long time coming. It has been so cold and so icy for a very long time. When I look at started snowing, it's been about three inches again today. 
I look outside and I feel like it should look like March, but it looks like January. So I tell myself, oh, it's still January, but no, it's, it's actually middle of March, nearing the end of March and we're still getting snow, but that great melt has been crazy. It's part of the reason why our roof leaked, just like a flaw in roof design, not our roof, just roof design in general, kind of unfortunate, but there's just puddles huge puddles a trudging through three inch deep puddles two inch deep puddles my boots are soaked my feet are soaked and you know it's not a big deal i just laugh as i'm as i'm going through these puddles um because it's there's just so much ice and well there was ice there's so much snow that is now melting the goats are taking to it pretty well fortunately we've organized their pen so it doesn't flood very much there's a couple places where it's pooled i just put down a pallet or two so they can stay up off of the wet and it's working for them they're actually pretty coordinated they can walk over the the pallets pretty effectively and the chickens of course are uh, above or they're kind of on the uphill so they're not getting any flooding issues either we're still getting a pretty steady flow of eggs the minimum amount of eggs we get per day is about eight usually it's more like 11 um 10 or 11 so you can imagine we now have eggs and it's great it took us a long long time to get through the last five dozen pack of eggs that we bought because we have a lot of homegrown eggs and we prefer those i just used the last store-bought eggs today and more than likely we won't have to buy eggs again hopefully ever I don't know. We'll have to see <laughs> if these chickens continue to produce. When winter hits at the end of the year, their production will go down. But right now, we're already getting to the point where we have an overflow. The little spiral egg holder that we have, if I've showed it on a video on YouTube before, is full. And so we're having to put it into egg cartons and just setting them off to the side. That's good because then we're going to get into the preservation mode. When more and more eggs come in like this and we can't keep up on them, that's when we preserve them. Last year, we did water glass where we put pretty much get a glass of water or a jar of water. We use buckets and you drop the whole eggs in them carefully with pickling lime and you can put them on the shelf and they're stable. So we went, we had, I think, three buckets of five dozen each. So about 15 dozen eggs water glassed. And that helped us get through the winter for the most part. And then we freeze dried a bunch as well. Freeze dried eggs are not our favorite but there's certain things that you can use them for. Regardless, we've got those eggs. Um, we're looking forward to preserving them and milking is coming up rapidly. So they, the ghosts should be kidding in the next month and a half. End of April is what we're planning on. Um, and they're all starting to grow. You can see their bellies getting big. I'll have to make a homestead update. I recently did a the homestead update on the YouTube channel about um, some trimming their hooves. It was a really interesting experience to try to do with a camera by myself. My wife and kids weren't home, so I was trying to do all of the filming by myself. If you want to see me cut or excuse me, trim the goat hooves and what it looks like, what it should look like, what happens when they get overgrown, it's, it's kind of a fun update. You might enjoy that. I believe that is all of the updates for Homestead and Author. So we can go ahead and shift over to the interview portion of the podcast. Brittany Trout is a self-published author of multiple children's books and a budget journal. She's dabbled in running two of her own home businesses, Inner Light Boutique and Things, as well as Busy Bee Card Company. Hey, Brittany, how are you today? Good, how are you? Doing well. I'm enjoying the nice warm weather here. What's it look like there in Connecticut? 
Uh, it's been kind of rainy recently, but it's getting a little bit warmer, kind of getting into spring, spring degrees. So I can't tell if it's a fake spring or a real spring. Oh, the fake springs. They catch you off yeah. guard. You've had a couple of them. <laughs> they, I feel like they come all too often and I always want to believe them. Yep. Then they're never real. Right. But I'm looking forward to chatting with you. I've uh, only had one other children's book author on my podcast before. And I love the idea of writing a children's book. I love the business model around it and just the creative process. There's so much we could get into with that. But before we dive into it, how long have you been writing and publishing? So writing children's books since 2020, um, but writing pretty much my whole life. As a kid, I wrote a lot of like poetry to kind of like express feelings and stuff like that now when I look back on it it seems a little bit cringy um Mm. but kind of just writing in general I've always written like poetry I've always written letters like me and my friends used to like write letters like notebooks back and forth and different things like that so writing my whole life but officially I started my blog um when I was in college in 2015 so I was blogging and still am for a while. That was kind of like when I started to take a little bit more seriously and and actually plan to share it out with the world. Because before that, it was kind of just, you know, me, my friends, my family, whatnot. Um, and then children's books in 2020. So I think that's really amazing. I love to hear people writing their whole lives. I haven't been writing my whole life. I think I've wanted to write my whole life, but my brain prevented me from my doubts, like I just can't do that. Um, but it's cool to hear that you you have that experience, you've, that love of writing. So why children's books? Is that what you've always wanted to write? Children's stories with the art and whatnot? Yeah, so it actually started out. So if you don't know about the children's books, I have four different ones, but three of them are part of a series. Okay. Um, and the point of the series is like an educational traveling series. So it actually started because... When I turned 20, I am almost 27, but when I I turned 20, I made a goal to myself that I wanted to try to go somewhere new every year. So when I turned 20, my first trip was to Washington, D.C. for like a day because I got um, a trip to the White House. I got to be able to – I don't know if you can still do it because I know times have changed since then, but – um, it should be open to the public. Like you just have to fill out a form, but it could be like six months before they get back mm. and reach out to you. So I kind of like did it one day and then I got an email that I got in over the summer. So I was like, let me just go and like make a trip. And this can be part of like what I now call new year, new place. Um, but part of like this new place when I turned 20. So I went to Washington, DC, for literally a day just to like go to the White House and like sightsee. And then I pretty much did all of New England. And I blogged about this trip. So the my trip to Washington, D.C. was my first solo trip. And it was a dumpster fire. <laughs> I mean, like planes, planes delayed. I had I got off like I got off the airplane in the airport. It was like pitch black almost like the airport was like half closed but you had to like walk through this abandoned area of the airport to get to the metro and in florida we don't really have metro so i had no idea how it worked so i got off at the wrong stop and my me being naive and not knowing thought that i could just walk to the next stop and which would not which i could not so i was like walking like in washington dc at like 10 o'clock at night by myself. My phone was dead. It was horrible. So I blogged about my first day there and it just like my blog took off. Like people 
where like I one this is hilarious like reading it because it was like it was like I'm crying in the middle of Washington DC by myself because I called my Uber and I can't get a hold of my Uber because my phone died and I got up at the wrong stop and I can't find an outlet to plug my phone into and now I'm just crying in the middle of Washington DC because I don't know what I'm supposed to do because I'm by myself and it's 11 o'clock at night now so it was a dumpster fire but people loved it and I kind of feel like it was almost like the first time that people kind of realized that I was decent at writing and people kind of was like, wow, like this is actually really, really good. So I blogged the whole rest of my trip and I blogged every trip since then. So as far as the children's books go, they kind of go hand in hand with those trips. So whereas my blog is kind of geared towards adults or you know, older people who are reading blogs and are interested in that sort. My books are kind of like the same thing, but educational and geared towards kids. So I kind of liked it because as a kid, I wanted to grow up and be a teacher. And then I ultimately did not grow up to be a teacher. So this is also kind of my way of teaching, but in a fun way that's keeping it creative, but it's also kind of based on my own personal experiences. Um, But it's still fun. I mean, it sounds really, I, I thought for about a hot second that I want to do a blog, but I'm not very clever. And for some reason, managing a blog was like way over my head. I'm always impressed with people who, because a blog is a really amazing business opportunity. And there, a lot of people can uh, be successful with their blogs, whether or not they have actual products to sell. But the fact that right. you have books and the blog in connection with each other, I think is is amazing. And I can see how people would absolutely love that. So did the did the travel inspiration, the inspiration to travel come before or after the desire to write children's books? I'm just curious to know if because you're traveling, did you write children's books? Or because you're writing children's books, did you want to travel to get that inspiration? So- Uh, travel first. So as a kid, my dad is a truck driver. And when I was growing up, he did truck driving all over the country. Mm -hmm. So he was like seeing all these places. And he really emphasized to me and my sisters when we were younger, you know, get out there and travel and see the world, like see different areas and different things and learn different things. Like, there's so much outside of the circle that you don't know about until you step outside of the circle. Um, so you kind of emphasize, you know, getting out there and seeing the world. And I was like, you know what? That sounds awesome. Like, I'm totally going to do that. And then we didn't really travel as much as like when I was younger. So that's why when I turned 20, I was like, you know what? Like, I know that I want to do this. So let me just make a goal and kind of see where it goes. And so far, every year I've stayed true to it. And I've always done it, even if it's only been like a little weekend trip or so. Um, but definitely travel first. And then that kind of just I was like, you know, I wonder if people are going to be interested in reading about my travels. And then they were. So then I was like, well, I know that I kind of want to write and I feel like it'd be kind of cool to write a children's book. And I kind of started out the children's books because they're significantly smaller than adult books or young Mm -hmm. adult books or novels or anything like that. So I was like, let me just try my hand, because even though I wrote, I wasn't really writing stories per se. So I thought it was going to be kind of like an easy way to try my hand at it and see how it goes. Um, and I just, I loved it. So now four books later, here we are. <laughs> here you are. I can attest to the size difference of, of books. Granted, I write books that are far too long than they probably should be. Um, but I mean, that's fine. There's It's a different skill writing kids books. And I, and I recognize that fully. This is why I see the books you've written. I see 
children's books that other people have written. And it's just like, I'm not positive that I, I can't even come up with a description for my long book. How am I supposed to write a comprehensive story in a short amount of words? It's just, I, it's amazing. I think it's a great skill. Um, but it's, it's amazing to hear how those things relate because you're tying your passion for travel into something that can benefit other people, particularly children in a learning fashion. I think that's a really great mindset to have. And they probably feed off of each other a little bit. You know, the excitement for publishing a book and then traveling to new places and learning new things. There's kind of like I'm sure like a symbiotic relationship, so to speak. Uh, right. So so for you, when you're traveling, how do you get that inspiration for what the story should be? Does it just kind of come to you? Do you take notes while you're traveling? I mean, how do you take all of your experiences on this amazing trip for days or weeks, however long they normally are, and then compress it into a story? Um, It, it kind of depends. So in like my... In the first traveling book, you know, the girl Shelly and Coco, they meet at a summer camp, which is the very first book. But in the Washington, D.C. book, they're kind of just going on a trip. Mm. Um, And it's kind of nice because there's so many things to do in Washington, D.C. So it almost was like I had so much information that I did have to nitpick it. And kind of having to pick and choose, I kind of just chose what I personally liked. So the monuments that I liked the most or because they're kind of educational as well, things that I would be able to find, you know, information or history on that would maybe expand more than what I already knew just from going there. So little, you know, different details that maybe I didn't really know ahead of time. Um, And then in the most recent book of that series, they actually go to Massachusetts, which I have been to Massachusetts, and there's a lot to go in Massachusetts. But I also at the same time think that there's not as many things people don't know as much about Massachusetts as there is to know. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, in that one kind of picked on things that you don't really hear about. So like the book touches upon like the Boston massacre and then the tea party, but in a way that keeps it kid friendly and fun, but doesn't focus as much on like Plymouth rock is mentioned, but they're not going into detail about Plymouth rock kind of thing where I feel like a lot of people are known People think of Massachusetts and they think Plymouth Rock or different things like that. So it is kind of hard. But for that one, she was like studying for a test and the studying wasn't going so well because she couldn't remember the answers to the test. And it kind of goes along the theory of like seeing is believing. So if you see it, you'll believe it. You'll remember it kind of like when you say it out loud and you write it down, you're more likely to remember it. So kind of like the same idea. So in that one, they're, you know, She's studying for a test, and then that's how she's going to learn that one. But storylines, kind of iffy. It kind of depends on how I was feeling when I went on that trip or why mm. I went, or it just comes to me one day of like, you know, why would why would they go to this place? What what would be the reason? Is it just maybe they just travel, and there maybe there is no specific reason. Maybe they're just going to a new place, similar to me, how I just. I just go and I don't really have a reason necessarily for going other than I want to go. So it kind of goes back and forth a little bit. I I mean, what works works. Right. And that's, it sounds, you know, like ideas come to you as you travel and as you have that inspiration, I think it's amazing that you can rely on that. Right. I I don't get to travel often and that's just by nature of, I love to travel. I do. Um, But when you've got milking goats, Someone's got to milk right. the goats, right? I can't really leave them. And that's fine. We, we come to terms with that. That's great. 
But I know there's other authors who write all types of books, you know, horror books, fantasy books, fiction, yada, yada, that draw that inspiration from traveling. But they know that that's how they can get inspiration and they rely on it. And so for them, like like you, they've described it like you, they go on the trip and they just can trust that they're going to get that inspiration. They may not know maybe they're panthers or maybe they're plotters. They, even if they don't know what they want to write now, by the time they've had their experiences and they're done, they're like, I know exactly what I want to write. Like it's come to me from these funny experiences or this thing that I saw, this history that I've learned. Um, But I I think it's an amazing way to get that inspiration and fun. I mean, you get to learn, you get to experience these new places. Where's your favorite place so far that you've traveled? Probably New Orleans. Okay. Uh, It was the first trip. I say the first not solo trip, but by not solo, I mean, I didn't meet anybody when I was there because my other trips, I was traveling by myself, but I knew people in those areas that like I hung out with and we went out and did stuff together. But this was like a trip that like me and my friends planned together. So it was like the Mm. first official not, not solo trip. Um, And it was a blast. That's definitely like the most fun trip that I've had so far. We just had a great time. Um, and it's New Orleans. I had never been there before. And, and the, the expectation and the hype, it, it all came to life when I was there. And it was it was definitely the most fun that I've had so far. So I'd have to say that one. I've heard a lot of great things about New Orleans and I've never been there. Uh, I've been to Massachusetts. I remember going there and okay. it was really cool to um, hmm. we did a cross country trip when I was younger. Drove through a bunch of states, went up and down the East Coast, visited a lot of places. It was like a four week trip. Um haven't been since, but yeah, I've, I've heard a lot about New Orleans and I know that some of, there's some other authors that have been there specifically because of the history, because Ooh. of kind of the rumor stereotypes, kind of things, uh, positive or negative, you know, whatever they are of that area and they can just draw a lot of cool inspiration. So I don't think you've written a book about New Orleans yet. Maybe you I have. And I just miss- no. So yeah, so I started traveling in 2016 and the books didn't start until 2020. So I, I kind of have, I have a, a decent ways to go before it catches up to where I am now, which I think kind of works in my favor because the, the ideas are, are endless. I don't, mm-hmm. it's hard, I'll never run out of material, you know? Well, I can say the same for me. Uh, I, that's a good thing as an author, right? right. To, to not have a lack of ideas um it's the lack of time to actually put it together that right. <laughs> we run into um because um I'm, I'm i'm not sure if you're a full-time author or not but i'm not so you I know working either. full-time <laughs> there's a lot of things going on right so so for the children's book the text piece you've talked a little bit about your inspiration for writing the stories um the art. How did you go about finding your artist, knowing that that artist was right for you and your books? Have you worked with the same artist for all your books? So I have. Far? You have. Okay. Yeah, I have. It was it was very challenging at first. So because my books are educational and informative, they have to look a certain way because it's not like I could say, you know, we're going to the White House and it looks like you know somebody's residential home just in white. You know, mm. like it has to be very specific. And the first book was based on a summer camp, but I was a camp counselor for a long time. So that was also kind of based on a summer camp that I had attended. So it was a very good learning experience because I was sending my illustrator picture, like picture examples of like, this is what the summer camp looks like. This is kind of like the vibe, the environment that I'm going for. And it was a lot of back and forth in the beginning. Cause at first the summer camp is like in the woods, 
like out in the woods. But the illustrations that I was getting at first were kind of industrial. Like it was kind of like a like a park almost next to like like in a city. It's kind mm. of like the vibe that it was. So it was a lot of back and forth and a lot of frustration to be honest in the beginning because I was like I don't know I don't really know if he's ever going to get it like I just don't feel like we're on the same page at all as far as this goes like I I I'm not an illustrator so I thought it, I was making it easier by giving examples and pictures of like this is what I want it to look like so that way there was maybe less creativity that had to come out of it on his part um but you know after the back and forth and we kind of got into the same page then the illustrations I thought came out great. And then the Washington DC illustrations were perfect. And I think it, it kind of helped because he could have, you know, maybe he was also looking up those, those places on his end where he could see more examples than I was giving them because they're wide known public places. Um, he's not in the U S so he is out of, out of country, but you know, maybe it's possible that he was looking up those as well. So it was a lot of back and forth. And now that we've, you know, gotten a few books deep, it now we kind of seem like we're on the same, we're on the same page. And now we have an understanding of like his, like I have an understanding of his style and he has an understanding of what I'm looking for. And I think it's made it easier because I've now been able to provide more pictures and images of public areas and places that he could, you know, look more into if he needed, you know, more details that I wasn't able to provide. The whole thing it sounds very stressful to me. <laughs> I mean, and if, it, it sounds it fun. Is. It sounds fun though. I mean, I think it's probably really cool to see your story come to life in art. It is. Um, I mean, it's got to be a similar experience to a cover. I mean, you do a cover for yours. I write novels, so I don't have art inside. I just have the covers. But still, it's really cool and um, satisfying to see your story come to life in picture form. And I can only imagine per page of the story how cool right. that is. So did you have a – and this is coming from someone who I'm good with words, not great with images, uh, trying to describe <laughs> what I want. It's challenging. I'm colorblind too, so that doesn't help. But um, for you, did you have an idea for each of the pages of the story, kind of what you wanted the page to look like? Or did you leave your artist kind of like some creative measures to, to play around with it and then gave proposals to you? Like, how did that look? Yeah. So or when how does I it look first, now? Yeah. So I, they, it's what they would call like a storyboard. So it's kind of like how it was described to me. And I don't know if people have artistic ability to the extent it would kind of be similar to like a comic book. So you're kind of writing out like, you know, this page and this page is going to have this image or details, um, specifics, different things like that. So in my first one, it was a lot of a lot of stick figures and shapes, which I kind of think mm. it wasn't very helpful on on my end, which I think is why there was so much confusion and, and misunderstandings between the two of us in the beginning is because I, I don't think I was providing him necessarily the information and the details that he needed. So I had this image in my head, but I couldn't put it onto paper to send to him. Um, and the most recent book I actually did through Canva. So it made it, I think so much easier because I was essentially able to almost do my own illustrations, but with pictures. So like I could mm, take, okay. like there's like, you know, they're at Plymouth Rock. So like I could literally take a picture of Plymouth Rock and put it on the page and then put like a figure of a girl there to kind of give the idea. And then all he would have to do is kind of recreate it, you know, 
with how he was doing his illustrations. So now that I did that, I think it was way easier because this last time I definitely had significantly less revisions and back and forth. Um, for the most part, like kind of the first round, the big things were taken care of, which was mega progress compared to the previous ones. So now I've been utilizing Canva and using illustrations, which I do think help. But in the beginning, it was definitely hard. So as far as the series goes, a lot of them are, I kind of already have in my head because I'm writing them based on places and what they're seeing. So it's almost easy because you're just, the image is going to be wherever they are and what they're seeing. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, I think a little bit less to have to work with because there's not as much going on that you have to worry about. Um, I have a standalone um, that is, it's okay to be you. And that one, I kind of gave him full freedom. So I kind of just told him, here's the manuscript. So I actually gave him my, the, all the text, whereas the previous ones I did not. I gave him all of the text and I kind of was like, I want you to have the creativity if you want it. If you don't want it, let me know and I'll create a storyboard for you. But I feel like I've been giving you, this is exactly how I want it. And maybe you have not had the chance to be creative necessarily. So I want to give you the opportunity if you want it and kind of just run with it. And he did. And, you know, I was like, give me the first, you know, the first round. And then we can kind of go from there when I see what you're thinking and we can just, you know, work together until it, it fits both of us. And it did. So yes and no, I've done both. I mean, so it's, it's great to hear that experience though, because I don't know that there is a right way, you know, all authors write the way that works for them. And I imagine it's the same for kids books and working with an artist. I've never done it. I mean, I've worked with cover artists, but not to this degree. Um, <clears throat> but it's great that you've learned, you've learned you talked about your experience with the first book and your experience with your most recent book. And anybody who's listening, keep in mind that if you don't know what you're doing now, say it's your first book that you're working on, whether it's a kid's book or a novel, it's okay to not know what you're doing. It's totally fine. Uh, then I can still remember the process of me publishing my first book. Um, and I felt like I had no idea. I made a mistake with my cover. There was a whole debacle with the cover. I had to recover it and it was a mess. But I've learned. And so now when I approach books, I know who to talk to, how to go about it, the timing for everything. And it just it locks into place each time you do it. So don't be discouraged if you can't figure it out, if you don't know the right process on the first one. It's yes. OK. You have to you have to go through the rockiness before it gets smooth. So. So based on your experience, we talked a little bit about your experience with your first one. We recognize that traveling brings that inspiration um, to you. So do you do anything different when you travel now, knowing that you're going to be writing a book someday for it? Do you do you travel differently now than you did before when you first started? I'm just curious. Um, I would say yes and no. It kind of depends on on where I'm going and if and who I'm going with. Sure. Okay. So kind of been like, Sometimes, because a lot of the times I don't necessarily travel again because I'm writing the book. It kind of is just a plus. Sure. So I, I almost have still like the creativity where, you know, maybe there's things that I didn't do when I went to this place, but I can, you know, I'm when I'm doing research of different things that happened in that area or in that state, I'm finding out these things where if I go there again, I would definitely go, but maybe I didn't go there the first time. So I kind of try to keep in mind because I know that eventually a book will come to at least do something that's educational or historical if, you know, if the area allows it, which for the most part, I think the places that I've been so far have kind of always had one place. They've always been known 
for something, you know? So it's almost made it easy, but I definitely keep it in the back of my mind. You know, I need something that I've experienced myself because it's one less thing that I have to try to create from my own mind. If I go and I experience it and then I know what it feels like to be there to do that. And then I can, it makes it a lot easier to portray to kids because I have that experience myself. Yeah, absolutely. That, that definitely makes sense. Um, so when you do get to writing the book, how do you remember what happened on the trip? So like, you know, you talked about your favorite trip to New Orleans. That was before 2020. Let's say you're writing a book next year. How do you recall? Do you just look at pictures? Do you have journals? I mean, how do you recall what actually happened? Yeah, so I look at pictures, but then I have the blog as well. So the blog is blog. really helpful, yes, because it's, it's fun because I love blogging the trip and I love being able to like look back and see, you know, what I did or, or how I was feeling or how it was even written, like just seeing how I used to write compared to how I write now. Um, but I definitely look at pictures and then the, the blogs honestly really help because then when I'm reading the blog, it it like triggers the memories in my head where like I can remember exactly what I'm talking about and how I felt and what I was doing in that moment. So both, but the blog is definitely helpful in that. I'm not sure how I forgot about the blog. I guess I just didn't think about it being, I mean, it yeah, is no, a journal. It's an online journal. It's totally what it is. So. Essentially. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's, it's great that you have that resource, not only for SEO, for marketing, for just content in general, but then you can turn it into those books and they're going to be there forever. Right. Well, I mean, unless you decide to take them down, but you don't have to worry about them disappearing or your memory getting foggy because you've written it all there. Um, I'm a pantser and I'm not great at writing things down. So I could, I could learn from something like this. Most of the way my stories come, uh, it's just on the fly. You know, I have an idea and I sit oh. down and I just start writing and 150,000 words later, there's a book. So yeah, um, I wish I'm not. I wish so badly I could just sit down and just ideas would just flow endlessly, but they just don't. I wish I feel like it, I feel like it would almost be easier. I don't know if you would agree, but I feel like it would almost be easier because I try I try to plot it out and. I th even if it's just a rough outline, like I'll have like the events, like when I do the children's books, I have like, here's like, you know, why are they going to this place if there is a reason? And then here's a list of places that they're going to go. Mm -hmm. And then that's like kind of enough of like the plotting for me where I can kind of go based on that information because I at least know where they're going. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know. I wish I could be a, a panther. Now that I've, I've tried, attempted um to write novel side of things not 150,000 words I don't know if I'm ever going to get there to be honest I'm I'm shooting for 50 and that's really hard for me right now but I find it really difficult because I I haven't plotted it so I'm kind of trying to like be a panther and it's just not working out for me so props to you I feel like that's really hard well so I mean I wish they came to me we could go into pros and there's plenty of pros for being a pantser and plenty of cons as well. I conversely have tried plotting a story and it crashed and burned. I just, <laughs> I tried and the story could not flow. It's disjointed. It's ugly. And it's currently in the garbage <laughs> because it's just not going to happen. Uh, I just know the way my brain works. And I, and I've heard a lot of plotters say the same thing. They're like, there's just kind of this dream that being a pantser is, it flows better and whether or not it does it depends on the person but when they try it just doesn't work so you just do what works for you and i think that's what makes the most sense um one of the cons is messy drafts 
Um, a lot of plotters say that they don't have to do a significant editing post first draft. Panthers have to do a fair amount of editing. <laughs> so mm. there's that. And I don't love editing. So it's a little bit ironic that I'm a Panther and have to edit a lot, but we don't, right. we won't get into that. Um, you know, part of me does wish that I could travel more so that I could draw some inspiration. Although I have, I have travel, I have some experiences with travel. Um, so I have been to Dublin a couple times, Ireland for work. I've been to the Philippines. I was there for a, a couple of years doing volunteer work. Um, I've been to Mexico. You know, I've been to across the East Coast. I've driven across the country. So I have traveled. It's just from a long time ago, and I don't have blogs. So a lot right. of it's just kind of disjointed memories from this being a kid. And being in these places. And so I don't often, I mean, I write fantasy. So I don't really write about real experiences. They're fantasy worlds and whatnot. Right. But I can see myself, you know, maybe a memoir or something someday of the experiences. Um, and even though some people write fiction and they, they draw inspiration from traveling for their fiction, you know, maybe they go somewhere where there's history of gangs or cults, or, you know, there's just really rich history of industry or something in a country. And it leads to a fiction story, not in that country, in a different place, or in a fantasy world, but they'd still draw from those experiences. So that being said, do you anticipate ever delving into like children's fantasy or children's it, you know, something outside of the real world or are you hoping to kind of keep it within the learning real world children's book realm? So I have actually found myself to have a really hard time writing fiction, fantasy, anything that, that isn't real. Mm-hmm. So like kind of like, I've like I said, I've kind of attempted to write novels and I kind of went like, I don't the first the first attempt that I made I honestly don't even know what genre it would even be because it's just mm. a thought in my head and I was like I don't even know what this would be I'm just gonna try to write it and I was like yeah I don't think this is working so I'm just gonna keep it in the drafts for however long it lives there um and then I was like kind of attempted like a romance but it's almost like I don't I don't know I find it like I don't have I don't want to say that I don't have the creativity but I find it a lot harder to write anything that is fiction or fantasy I find it a lot easier because everything I think that I've I've ever written has always been, you know, based off my personal experiences. Mm-hmm. So kind of trying to like like kind of like how you like you guys create like whole worlds. Like I just I couldn't even like fathom how I would even go about doing that. Like I just I would like think about it and I feel like my brain would just explode. Honestly. Like I feel like I just have to write based off real experiences or at least the idea of a real experience like maybe it branches off into things that obviously were not you know not real or whatnot but I think like they have to start with something that that I've seen or I've done or I've learned or I I felt kind of thing and I I don't think that's a bad thing right that there's no better genre than or you know than anything else I mean you write what makes sense to you and drawing on those real experiences I think this is just kind of like a guess on my part I don't have tons of experiences right because I live in we literally live in a bubble not intentionally it's just the way our lives are right we 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 raise goats chickens we homeschool just by nature of this we wanted homeschool for our kids um so we don't really go anywhere we just kind of hang out at home on our five acre plot we traverse the five acres and play outside and do fun things. 
but I don't have those life experiences. So I don't feel like I could draw on anything, right? Unless someone wants right. to hear uh, about a, a story on a five acre plot. Like, I think that would probably be boring. <laughs> but it's great that you have know. those I life experiences. About a, I don't know if you've heard about a book called The $64 Tomato. I haven't read it, but it's on my, my to read list. And it's literally about a guy like his from what i've heard about it is like his experience of like how he spent all this money building his garden and everything like that because i'm sure homesteads are are not cheap you know there's a lot of money and a lot of work that goes into it compared to anything that you might get in return if anything you know other than just you know personal gain you have a little you know you have eggs and stuff like that but if you're selling them the amount of money that you would make us selling eggs would I would ideally imagine would not be anything in comparison to the amount of money that you put into raising chickens, you know? So it's kind of like the same idea, the idea that this tomato costs $64, you know, when it came down to it. So mm. I don't know, that could be a, a potential book if you wanted to write about homestead experience. I'm sure there's a lot of people out That's there fair. who would like to have homesteads. That is fair. Although a lot of people have asked me why I haven't had goats in any of my books yet. And I haven't. And I don't really know why. I just don't think about it, but I haven't had goats. So one of these times left, I have a lot of experience with goats and knowledge. So, but I just never put them in books. I don't know why. That's a good point though. So don't downplay the experiences you have. That's definitely an important piece of advice, even though I don't have tons of, you know, travel, extraordinary, you know, bad Washington DC day experiences. Um, (laughs) There's still life experiences to draw on. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's it's really cool to hear your experience with the traveling and that you have the blog, that you're finding success with that blog, I'm sure, which then leads to book sales over time as you pull in that audience and they they see your experience in picture art form with, with the words. And I think it's so fun. Um, we love to read our kids' books there. They're so into reading. So uh, it's a really big market out there. There's a lot of people with kids. Do you find that it's hard to reach the audience that you're looking for or is it relatively easy because you're kind of finding those parents or aunts and uncles of kids who like to buy books for kids i think it i think it's definitely harder because you're not you're not reaching the people who are going to necessarily be reading your book you're reading Mm. you're reaching out to the people who are going to be buying the book for other people to read And because they're children's books, I've actually found it a lot harder to market because I have less material to go off of. So I think kind of like with with novels and stuff, you have a lot more material that you have options that you could market kind of without giving giving the whole book away. But with children's books, I, I found it really difficult because on one hand. I don't want to give the whole book away because I want, you know, I want you to read it. I want you to see the whole story. And I don't want to give everything away, but I can only mention the same thing so many times or give so many details before I kind of hit that point. So I have found that it is a lot more difficult, I think, you know, to try to get to that target, to try to reach the people because you're not really reaching the person who's going to be reading it. And that's a good point. Um, although I feel that way a little bit on book talk. I don't know if you're on TikTok. I, I am on. Yeah, I am on book talk. It's, it's a strange culture. We'll say that. Uh, <laughs> but there's a lot of spice on book talk, coincidentally, which I find hilarious. I don't read that. It's just not my preference. Um, and people know I don't write that. But still, you know, I have a lot of romance authors that I'm connected with. We're friends on book talk. And they're like, well, I have kids, right? I have 
I have nieces and nephews, but I totally understand there. I feel like on book talk, I'm marketing to the wrong people because it's all these right. people that want spice in their books and I don't have that. So it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit challenging, but in terms of content, I can totally see that not having, you know, a picture book is a lot smaller than a, a novel. And so there's a lot less to go off of, but I just, it, it's one of those things where the whole marketing, I'm not even great at marketing. I have content to market and I'm still not great at it. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those things where the strategy differs by genre. The strategy differs by type, by format. Picture books are a completely different thing. Um, and you just have to figure it out. And, you know, I don't have any advice for you, but is there any advice that you have for other children, books, authors? Have you learned anything? They're like, of the things that I've learned, this has worked to some degree, or, you know, I'm, I'm leaning into this because I've seen some success in terms of marketing. Have you found any of that? Yeah, I would say it's a lot of, of selling yourself. So versus, you know, mm -hmm. I, I am selling a book, but I'm also selling myself, my personality, who I am. And if kind of like almost like building a brand, essentially. So it kind of almost bridges off into, you know, from the blog. So like the blog was like my brand. And then now that kind of branches off into the book. So it is a lot of selling myself and wanting to have that relationship with the audience, you know, wanting them to not always feel like I just want you to buy my book, because obviously that's a plus, but I, I also want you to stick around for everything else that I offer. So because I'm, you know, because I'm not targeting the actual reader, and I am targeting their parents or their grandparents or their aunts and uncles or whatnot, that kind of almost is like, you know, I hope maybe you got here, maybe you arrived here because of the books, but I hope you stick around for the blog and for all of the other things like that I am experiencing, because I'm not you know, I'm not talking to little kids about, you know, my life and stuff like that, because I'm not talking to kids about it. They don't, right. I don't think they would be there anyways, you know, I'm talking to adults. So it's kind of, it's kind of both. So I would say definitely sell yourself and try to make that relationship um, between the audience. So that way it's not just, you know, I'm not just here to sell my book. I want you to, I want you to come and, and stick around and hang out and, and, you know, get to know me and who I am. And then if you happen to buy my book, then that's great. Yeah, I think it's sometimes hard to remember that. I think that's uh, a really important piece because it's it's a lot easier to buy a book from someone who one of two things to who you've read some of their other books and you know they're good books, or you know the author and you know about them. You're like, hey, I feel like I understand this person. They're funny or they're they're smart or they have a lot of good advice, and they've also written a book. I would love to buy that because to support that person and to learn about what's in their head. Um, right. But yeah, and it's sometimes hard, especially for introverts uh, on social media, to go out there, to be themselves, to have a personality, and to just show people who they are and what they're about. Um, right. But if they don't, it's hard. Like, you don't have that presence. Whether or not you're charismatic is a completely different question. I think social media has this way of equalizing people. Like, you know, people see, you can watch any of my videos on TikTok and have no idea that I'm a very big introvert, right? Just because... Right it's a very short clip of that person. Um, but I appreciate that advice. Hopefully people listening, you remember that um, wherever you are, be yourself, sell your personality and who you are. And um, a lot of people will realize that you're awesome, whatever that is and want to support you. So I definitely would love to look into your books. Like I said, I have kids. Um, I have six kids myself and they all love to read. So we're always looking for more books to get. Are your books, have you, have you gotten them in libraries? Have you worked to get them more available to people? 
as, as, as many places as you can? Yeah. So I've tried to do more recently, like school events and stuff like that. I haven't, nice. because of COVID it's been kind of difficult. Mm. Um, a lot of places are kind of still not doing in-person visits and stuff like that, or they just don't have, they, maybe they already have their schedule planned out and I just haven't made the cut yet. So I've been reaching out to more and I've had a few people who reach out and, you know, are sending my information around and they're kind of like, you know, if it doesn't happen this school year to happen next, next school year, but that's kind of where I've tried to do, you know, most of them. Cause that, that would be me able to kind of almost reach the target audience and interact with that a lot more. Um, but right now they're kind of just general, you know, you can get them on Amazon. I try to get them into local bookstores, but a lot of local bookstores here are also very picky and don't mm. really accept children's books. Surprisingly, I don't know, maybe not surprisingly, but um, a lot of places that I have talked to are more likely to get novels or middle grade books, but not so much picture books. So it is still kind of hard to get them in there, but I drop them into a little free library every once in a while. And then, you know, Amazon or, or through me and anything like that. I mean, then that's just, you learn things you figure it out. I also haven't chased getting my books into to bookstores. I don't even think mine are in any local bookstores yet. Um, I have them in libraries though. I know that there's been a number of libraries around the country that have purchased them. So but that's often by request. You know, if your fans or, you know, people who want your books request it from their library, I wish I could just call libraries around the country and they'd put them in, but that's not how life works. Um, <laughs> so, but it's great. You no, know, getting out there, putting, sending out feelers, getting your books into different places. It's a fun journey. Um, and I feel like we're all at different places within that journey, but it's cool to hear. Hopefully you can do some more events. I've heard a lot of success for children books, authors, children book authors um, in going to schools. I would like to go to schools myself. I write YA books, some YA oh. books, some adult books, but it'd be fun to go into like high schools or middle schools and, and talk about right. it. But, well, great. We're running short on time. I we wish we could probably talk forever about this. There's so much to talk about with traveling and inspiration. Before we end here, where can people find more information about you and your books if they want to follow you? Yes. So if you wanted to go to my website, my website is Trout's Two Cents. So my last name, T-R-A-U-D-T-S, and then 2-T-W-O-C-E-N-T-S.com. Specifically for books, you could do slash books. Um, but the blog will have anything. So if you're listening and you want to hear all about the the traveling blogs, those are on there. If you want to do the books, those are on there as well. Um, social media, I am on Facebook and TikTok at writer Brittany Trout. And then I am on Instagram at Brittany Lee underscore 96. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure to put all those links in the show notes so people can find it. But thanks so much for your time. This has been great. Yes, thank you so much. I hope you found that episode helpful and interesting. Of course, let me know if you have any questions or comments. You can message me. Uh, find me on all the social media apps. I'm happy to make this a conversation. I love to hear from people who are listening, where you're listening from, um, and you know, hear kind of what projects you're working on. So definitely feel free to reach out. As usual, if you'd like to join me on the podcast, um, definitely head to dankenner.com slash podcast. Fill out the form there and let me know what you're about, what you're interested in, and I'd love to have you on the podcast. Until then, see you next time.